And, and today we come to another one of those collision points in this incredible book of James. Where, where you have this collision of knowing we have a loving God and yet enduring unfair suffering. You know, intellectually, that's been one of the greatest questions for Christianity. How can God be loving, all-loving, all-knowing, and all-powerful? He can do anything about anything, and yet he still allows there to be terrible suffering in so many lives. How do you put that together? Many people have rejected God because of that. Now, James is not dealing with this intellectually. James is dealing with this practically. He, he's, about, he's not about to... To reject God, he's just trying to struggle through a life where you know God loves me, and yet how can God let this happen? That's a tough position to be in. And he's trying to help us pull this together because in context here, if you'll read the beginning of chapter 5, we see this theme throughout the book of James is that the rich are oppressing the poor. And in James, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Sound familiar? In our country today, if you look at the statistics between income disparity, the rich in our country are getting richer and richer and the poor, poor and poor. And in this situation, there's oppression. We're not sure if the rich people are part of the church or they're non-Christians, but somehow they're abusing and taking advantage of these poor people. And, And so James is following this up with advice of how do you handle it when you find yourself in a difficult situation where life's not making sense. All, many of you walk in here today where relationships or circumstances, they're just difficult right now. And you're having a hard time reconciling that with a God who supposedly loves you. There's a country singer, Jason Isbell, who sings these words, pretty tough words. You thought God was an architect. Now you know he's something like a pipe bomb ready to blow. And everything you built that's all for show goes up in flames in 24 frames. What's he saying there? God, I thought you were building this wonderful life in my life. I thought if I follow you, everything's going to fall in place and everything's going to be good. And yet this has blown up in my face in one moment, in one day. Everything's come crashing down. Where are you? How could you let that happen? And what James is trying to answer is not the the intellectual question. James is trying to say, what do you do when you face that? So let's go to James chapter 5, verse 7, and let's look at at this verse. And we're just going to stop on the first two words here. Be patient. That's our solution? That's the best you can offer up, James? I mean, how many of us hate to hear that word, be patient? When you're a child growing up, you know, and you're trying to get somewhere on vacation, and you keep asking your parents, are we there? Are we there? How close are we? And they go, just be patient. Did you like that? The worst to me is if you went to the lake, you went to the beach, or you went swimming, and after you ate, you couldn't swim for how long? 30 minutes. That was awful. My parents smiled when they said that. I mean, those 30 minutes seem like they lasted forever, and you're just waiting and waiting. Like, what can't we? And now here we are years later, and I just saw a study the other day that says it makes no difference whether you wait 30 minutes or not. So children, take advantage of that with your parents, okay? Just jump right in. And we hate those moments. I mean, we live in an Amazon Prime world. You can order almost anything. It'll be there in two days. It's much better than the old Sears robot catalog. It would take you forever. 
We live in a day where we want to eat fast, so we, we go through the drive-thru. My friends, I can remember when there weren't drive-thrus. I grew up in high school working at McDonald's on Madison Avenue, and I remember when we built that drive-thru. And they promised if you build a drive-thru, it'll increase your business 30% because none of us want to dare have to get out of our car, go order our food, and go back. You know, that's a hassle. And and then you get it where you got, my goodness, you got Chick-fil-A, man, and they can handle 100 cars in 10 minutes. I mean, just two minutes, they just fly you through there. Only bad thing about Chick-fil-A is they've gone spiritual on us. They won't open on Sunday, so you can't get it, all right? So, so, so we are people that just, we don't know much about being patient. We want it right now. And yet, I'm telling you, when it comes to this problem, when your life's not fair, when things are not in order, this is God's instruction to you, is that you've got to be patient. And, and then he begins to explain what this means. Read with me. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? patiently waiting for autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, an example of patience in the face of suffering, let the pro- take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevere. What that means? They just stick in there. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen that the Lord finally, what the Lord finally, the key word there is finally, what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And then we got verse 12 that makes, it's always like it just was stuck on there for no reason. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, nor by heaven or earth or by anything else. All you need to simply say is yes or no. Eugene Peterson helped me out with that this week. How does that fit what we just read? Listen to how he translates this in the message. And since you know that God cares, let your language show it. Don't add words like, I swear to God, to your own words. Don't show your impatience by concocting oaths to hurry God up. Just say yes or no. Just say what's true. So how do we deal with this? The, The first thing is, he just says, we got to be patient. And he gives us three examples of when you need an extra dose of patience. And you may be there today. First of all, you need to be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. In the illustration there, he says, is look at the farmer. As if you don't want to be patient, don't go into farming. I don't think I'd ever make it there. Because, I mean, you plant in one season, you reap in another season. And in between, you really don't have control. Uh, you don't know what the rain's going to be like, what the drought may be like, a tornado come through and knock your crops down, what the economy will do, will it support you. A farmer is at the mercy of things that are way beyond their control. And I guarantee you the farmers in our audience today are some of the most patient people because they have to be. So we all face trying circumstances. Maybe it's an ordeal you're going through. Maybe it's a person you've got to deal with. Maybe it's the economy. And like we talked about last week, we, we live with an illusion that if I put everything in place, I can control it. You can't. And so you've got to be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. Second, you must be patient when people are unchangeable. You see, he talks about the farmer. Then the second illustration is the prophet. What's a prophet? A prophet's basically a preacher. 
often as a preacher, it's very frustrating when people don't change. And some of the prophets, I mean, Jeremiah, the reaction to his message was so bleak, they called him the weeping prophet. And you look even at a prophet we revere, Isaiah. And we love Isaiah because in Isaiah 6, God says, I need someone to go represent me. I need someone to go preach. And Isaiah raises his hand and says, here, my Lord, send me. And he sent him. But we don't read the rest of the story. He has a message of doom and gloom, and nobody listens. He says the prophets are patient even when people don't change. Now, this word patience in the Greek language is, is so so cool because it means macro and it means thermos. Macro means large. Thermos, of course, means hot. So who is the patient person? Especially with dealing with people that are difficult. It's the person who takes a long time to get hot. So who is it in your life today that you've got to display patience? Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a child. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's somebody you got to work with. For most of us, I think if we're really honest, we got to show patience with ourselves. The person who frustrates me the most about not changing is actually me. How about you? So he says, you got to show patience there. And then one other place where we need an extra dose of patience. Patience when problems are unexplainable. I mean, normally, guys, if we understand, okay, I did A and B follows. I smoked my whole life, and now I've got this sickness. I made this terrible decision, and now my finances, I mean, again, that is still difficult, but you can understand it. But someone like Job, who we're supposed to consider, is, is the one who had to have perseverance. Because Job was in the Super Bowl of suffering. Listen to this. Two days, two days. He goes bankrupt, his children are murdered, he's got an incurable, painful disease. Uh, we say we've had a couple bad days. Job had more than a couple bad days. It was awful. He lost his family, his friends, his finances. The only thing God left him with was a nagging wife. Don't poke the person beside you right now, okay? And you remember all she could say to him in the middle of all this crazy pain? Why don't you just go ahead and curse God and die? I hope no. Isn't it great to have that kind of support behind you? I mean, this guy, it makes no sense. In fact, the Bible says in the first chapter, God knows it, Satan knows it. Job is the most righteous man on the earth. There should be no connection between the kind of life he lives and the kind of condition he's trying to endure. Now, Job's not this passive patience. And and that's not what James is calling us to. Oh, just be patient. Just be quiet. Just take it. uh, No, no, no. Uh, In in Job, he argues with God. He questions God. I mean, he is angry. But his foundation is he never doubted the existence of God. It wasn't fair But beneath all of the unfairness, he knew there was a God. So we've got to learn to be patient in those situations. Now, why can we be patient? That's the question we've got to deal with. Because you're probably facing one of those three situations. Or if you're not, you will. Okay? Be patient. Why? Because God is in control. 
There's a term used three times in this passage. The Lord is near. Well, here's the best thing that James could say to these people that are being abused. God's coming back. You see, for us, you know, someone, you know, said on, the, on your way in the lobby this morning, well, you know, welcome to Lamarck. Today, our preacher is preaching on the second coming. What kind of sermon are you expecting? Like, oh, my goodness, you better get scared, man. He's coming down hard, man. Jesus is coming back. You better be ready, man. He's in I mean, please, you know. That, that's the way we look at the second coming because we have been able, in most respects, to make life pretty nice and soft here. So we're not so sure we want it. In this day, the best thing you could preach on for people in suffering is that Jesus is coming back. In fact, the Apostle Paul does this long exhortation on the second coming, and he says, here's what you do. Comfort one another with these words. The most comforting thing you and I could know this morning is that Jesus is coming back. And guess what? When Jesus comes back, he will make all wrongs right. You see, one reason we can endure this period of time on this earth is that we know there is a moment coming when the abusers aren't going to get away with it. I mean, Paul says, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. There is a moment where there will be a reckoning. God's in control. And my friends, that gives you such security. Because we know the end of the story. We know the end, when Jesus comes back, we will never suffer unfairly again. You know, it's, you've heard this illustration. It's like, it's like, you know, your team's playing a football game. It's this fall. And a friend of yours, of all things, schedules a wedding during your favorite team's big game. And even worse, they ask you to preach the stinking wedding, all right? And you're thinking, did you not look at the schedule? And then you, um, so you say, okay, well, I'll, it'll be okay. I'll, I'll DVR the game. I'll record the game. I'll, I'll get home and... You know, you never can get there without somebody going, hey, they won. <laughs> but, you know, when you watch it, that changes everything, right? I mean, you, when you know the end of the game, you're not worried about them getting behind in the first quarter. The fumble doesn't upset you. The interception doesn't pull you off your couch screaming. You, you just sit there calmly because you know the end of the game. My friends, that's what James is saying to us. You can be calm through unfair things, through the fumbles and interceptions of life, because you know that when Jesus comes back, we win. Second, why can we be patient? Because God rewards patience. He says we consider blessed, circle that word blessed, bless those who persevere. What's perseverance? It's just a good old-fashioned word to say, even when things are tough, you just keep on going. So he says, you get a reward. Well, what are the rewards of being patient? Well, some of them are just right now. You know, a lot of times when I'm impatient about something and I want it to happen real bad, I'm so focused on this getting right that I miss moments in my life. How about you? I mean, there's lots of good things going on with me, but there's this one thing that's not right that I'm impatient about, and my focus is there. Also, one of the rewards of being patient is that your relationships are better. Because relationships are the worst when we're impatient, when we're in a hurry. 
And sometimes because I want this to come together in my life, I want that job, I want that new house, I want that career, I want this pain to be away. I miss out on time with the people that I really love. And then the ultimate reward is that one day we'll be in heaven. In fact, Jesus had the audacity to say, bless it, be happy. When people persecute you, revile you, and say all kinds of evil about you. Sounds crazy till you hear the rest of it. Because your reward is to be in heaven with God. So we can be patient because we know that God's going to reward that and does reward it. And then one more thing. We can be patient because God is working during the suffering. I love that line there that James says. With Job, what the Lord finally brought about. You know, when Job is going through this horrendous suffering, God is still working. See, that, that's what we've got to understand. When we find ourselves in this moment, we know God's loving. It appears he's doing nothing. I keep praying about this, and it doesn't get better. I keep hoping for this, and it's just as bad. I'm trying to get over here where I experience that love. The truth is, my friends, is God is still working that situation. By the end of the book, Job is doubly blessed, and the Bible says his character has become like refined gold. You see, God is willing for us to experience delays so that he can grow us. You see, remember James chapter 1? Rejoice when you have trials. Why? Because you know they bring perseverance and character and hope. So understand, guys, in the middle of this, if you've got a spiritual mindset, you know, you know, God, you're trying to teach me something. Help me not to miss the moment. Philippians 2 says God is always at work within you. Romans 8, we love this one. God is at work. All things work together for good to those who love the Lord. So God's still working. Okay. So we know why to be patient. So what do we do in the meantime? Maybe today, you're in the middle of this. What do you do? James dropped some little nuggets here along the way. Here's here's some things you don't do. You don't compromise. You don't grumble. You don't make oaths. Now, it's really easy to see how these things happen. You're a young woman growing up, and your greatest dream is to be married. And to this point, and you're much older than you thought you would be unmarried, you're unmarried. And so you just decide you've got to have somebody. And so you compromise. Man, if, if, if he's breathing, I mean, you're into him. <laughs> I mean, you know, you just go, you know, just find me a husband. And before long, you're in a big, big mess. Or maybe you're a really good athlete. You're good, but you're not great. If you just take those steroids, you could be great. Or maybe um, you're like so many of us, you just struggle to find peace. I mean, you just want peace. You just want to feel good inside. And for some reason, you're having a hard time finding it. And you're tired and you're, you're weary, and that's when you're most open. Remember what we said in James chapter 1? It's trials that open us up to temptation. And so you find yourself that way. And so you find peace in a bottle or an illegal drug or like so many Americans today in a prescription drug. And you compromise. 
Or if you don't compromise, you turn into this, this negative person who just grumbles and complains. It's become your mode of operation. Or either you try to make a deal with God. James says, don't do that. What do you do? Well, here's, here's what I think he said to us. Here's what you do. You anticipate Jesus coming. Because we've got to learn to live with an anticipation that Jesus could come any moment and that would be the best thing to ever happen to us. You see, here's what I'm afraid we're doing. We are putting so much energy, effort in trying to create heaven on earth that we're not excited about him coming back. He'd interrupt it. But when you're going through suffering and life's not fair, you want him to come back. So do anticipate Jesus coming. Do appreciate God's character. Right in the middle of this, he just drops this line. The Lord is full. The Lord, you catch that? He's full of compassion and mercy. When everything looks bad, I've got to put my trust in the character of God. God, I know you're not showing up right now. I know it doesn't seem like you're answering my prayers. This is not the way I planned my life. But I know you. Well, how do you know this, buddy? Okay, come on. How do you know that God is full of compassion? I mean, how can you know that 100%? I'll tell you one, one thing, and we're going we're to celebrate it in just a moment. The cross of Jesus Christ. When I doubt the character of God, I cannot get out of my mind that we serve a God who loved enough to give up heaven to come live among us, to live among the dirt and filth of this life, to be tempted as we are, to die on a cross with spit running down his face and blood out of his veins in our place. And there's a lot of things I don't understand about God, especially in situations like this. But one thing I believe 100% because of the cross of Jesus Christ is he is full of grace and compassion and mercy. And that's why what we're going to do in a few minutes is so important we do it every week because we need to remember this crazy, unfair world, the character of God. In fact, we're going to prepare for communion together uh, right now. Just remain standing. Today you may find yourself in the very place that we've been talking about. You're in the middle of that collision where you know who God is, but it's not making sense what life is throwing at you. And maybe because of that, you've made some compromises that you shouldn't have made. You've done some things you shouldn't have done, but you're just trying to escape the pain of the moment. I understand that. Or maybe you haven't made those moral compromises. Maybe you've, you've just grumbled. You've just complained. And today we're going to invite you to, to come and do something about that. We've seen our points this morning is that you need to anticipate the second coming of Jesus. You need to appreciate that we have a forgiving God. There's no question that if you ask his forgiveness today, you'll receive it on the spot. And then there's one more thing we need to say, is that you need to participate in community prayer. The next verse we'll head into next week says, is any of you in trouble? Here's the answer. Let him pray. And then he talks about the elders in the church gathering to pray over people. And today, if you find yourself in that position, and you need some patience, and you need some strength, the best thing I can tell you is to come let this church pray for you, that God will help you endure until all things are made right, hopefully on this earth, but certainly guaranteed in heaven. So if you need our support, come right now as we sing.